Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into Wildbo's most diabolical work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And we are back to talk about uh, Conviction 5.6. Yep. So, Blake is still barely holding himself together, but they've decided, <laughs> yay, let's fight a demon. Yep. And, and and I like, so we open here with Blake talking about the wreath that he's made, and he's yep. sort of sticky taping bits back into place, because much like <laughs> himself, the wreath is barely holding itself together. Yep, exactly. <laughs> it's a great, it's a, it's a great little symbol for Blake to engage with some self-reflection. Oh, it's a wreath <laughs> that's literally duct taped together, and if it fails, I could die. Um. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> Blake is talking about this wreath that he's made, which is one of the very few kind of protections that he's planning to have inside, fighting the demon. Um, Evan kind of scouts around the factory a little bit, and, and Rose kind of gives Blake a pep talk before they head inside. Well, uh, a, a pep talk you know it's sure it, it, it it's more just this is dumb everything's dumb this might not get you killed that's all i've got uh type talk uh i like i like how evan is is, a, is sort of a part of this like rose kind of lays out her game plan um and, and evan evan sort of done a little scouting report and and rose is just sort of giving out orders basically and, and blake's too tired mm. to fight against her so he kind of goes along with it and evan's just sort of like yep okay okay me too and i i guess he is just an eight-year-old so maybe it's just partially that but i i kind of liked how he just was instinctively willing to go on with rose like i could have seen it be a whole thing because he's blake's familiar he you know takes blake's side more on the tensions between them but he does just kind of work as a team player here he's kind of he's kind of an example to the other two in a way uh yeah. Thinking about it as well, it's it's nice to have a third person here because they do bicker a lot and now we have Evan who can kind of sometimes cast a deciding vote if necessary. Yeah, he can hopefully be a more objective tiebreaker. Like I guess yeah, that was my yeah. concern is that he wouldn't be able to function as that because there might be something where he always tends to agree with Blake as is familiar yeah. beyond beyond just their like compatibility of, of spirit that led them to become familiars. Um but, you know, because yeah. like, it'd be very easy for Rose to make that case that it's like, well, he's your familiar, you know, he's he's always picking on yeah, your side. Yeah, he's always picking your side. But no, Evan seems to be on board with, with what Rose is saying, and, and it seems like the, their planning is going as well as it theoretically can. Yeah. Well, because I guess my other concern with Evan was that he'd end up being... I was worried he'd start to feel like the, the child caught between, like, two parents in the middle of divorce or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, so glad it doesn't seem to be heading that way, because last chapter gave me some small, like, vibes in, in that direction, but luckily it doesn't seem to be mm. where we're heading. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so, actually, I wanted to pull out this one quote. Uh, it kind of bounces off what I was just saying, uh, but uh blake blake sort of responds to this idea of having signals uh to communicate things to each other quickly and blake so blake says signals are a fantastic idea signal one uh, signal number one screaming screaming means that something bad is happening (laughs) and rose rose just immediately responds don't be a jerk blake and then blake Mm. and evan simultaneously respond he's not or like i'm not and (laughs) Uh, I, I like that you included as part of this quote Rose's reply, which is, ugh, Rose yeah. said. <laughs> um, it's, it's a very funny moment, but I'm also, I'm actually a bit curious to hear what, what your read on this is, because mm. 
to me, it seems like it is 99% sarcastic comment of something that didn't really need to be clarified and 1% something that should have been said. I don't... Yes. So I think there are a couple of different ways you can read it, but I I do think that kind of... (laughs) Blake is not holding himself together very well. And so my thought is that in his mind, he kind of thinks... He needs to remind people, yeah, so remember, if anyone starts screaming, things are probably going wrong. Like, obviously it doesn't need to That's be said. That's just where he like, is. A... <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, he's he's kind of warming up with the most obvious thoughts and then he'll get into the, you know, the actual signals and stuff later. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I just, I, I, I thought it was funny. And, and I guess it does sort of, that that was one of the thoughts I had me leaning towards Evan maybe being more, more on Team Blake than... An objective uh, third mm. person, but uh, yeah, but he doesn't. He doesn't quite take uh, Blake's side there because you know they 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 both say it at the same time. They're just kind of. Mm. I, I think this is more indicating. Hey, Evan and Blake, they they do think along very similar lines. Like they are they are of a single mind in some ways. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah. So I actually had another quote I wanted to pull out. I think now that Rose is back, I'm just back to pulling out quotes because I find their dynamic just so fascinating (laughs) it's Uh, good isn't it they're back to normal (laughs) uh but blake has this bit where he's talking about why he got the bird tattoos which is kind of related to a question rose asked him but he he kind of blabbers for a bit and and so he sort of ends by saying um i'm i'm yammering on here you've got to stop me before i do that and then there's this noticeable delay before rose responds oh no harm done does it help you to feel more grounded and Mm. uh blake hangs on to the, the silence delay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, a lot more than she does than he does to what she said um yes um, but blake doesn't seem to figure out what she's thinking um, yeah my interpretation of it is that uh you know like we said blake is kind of barely holding himself together i think rose was probably gonna say oh yeah i'll stop you or oh yeah don't yammer on or or you know be a little bit more um uh, be a little bit more argumentative about it, but kind of realizes it's not worth it. I'm just going to let him have this one and maybe even take it to the most charitable extreme of like, well, maybe his yammering on helps him, you know, feel more like himself, which will probably help in this upcoming battle. Yeah. Yeah. I think she was conflicted about whether it was something she actually needed to stop, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Blake doesn't seem to process it at all. And I think that's probably more to do with where he's at right now than, (laughs) Uh, you know how complex the, the the exact situation is. Yeah. So they go to head into the factory, and Blake is kind of thinking about the erasure demon, um, and he he kind of goes on to thinking about having children and leaving his mark on the world. And there's a quote I want to pull out, which I really liked. Uh, as as Blake is approaching the factory, he sees some abandoned tools. There were tools here, abandoned so long they had gone rusty. Had a crew come here at some point to revitalize the place, only to disappear. This is just like a good. I really like this chapter. This is a very cool chapter, and there's a lot of things like this where it, it implies all this history that you don't, and, and kind of by definition, can't ever find out. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's yeah, it, it's all great sort of set dressing. Uh, you know, like we're really building yeah. the the layer of this uh, of this demon up to yeah. just reinforce how powerful it is, really. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I I found in Blake's little monologue here, um, he had this interesting thought. So he, he talked about how he didn't really want to have kids because basically, um, he thinks his parents did a pretty shit job, and yep. so he's not really interested in in messing up his potential kids. 
And then he has this thought about how, though, in saying that, he did want to leave his mark on the world. And I think his his sort of exact quote is, I want to leave like it in, in imbalance. Like if the world is, yeah. is balanced at the moment, then I want to leave it unbalanced, which is really not what yeah. you want to hear from someone with access to the Thorburn library. I, I wouldn't think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he kind of is thinking about it along the lines of like, I want the world to miss me when I'm gone. Right. But he, he does use these terms. He says, Oh, you know, I don't want the universe to be able to restore itself to balance after I'm gone. Like I didn't <laughs> exist. Which yeah. is a wild way of saying what is, you know, not an uncommon thought for people to have. Like it, the the phrasing that he uses specifically, oh, I think, yeah. is what is what makes it's it concerning to read. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just because he's using all of the exact words that tie into these concepts of karma and yeah. uh, and and spirits and stuff, and, and it seems very deliberate that he's thinking that in, in a very concerning way. It, it was just this yeah. moment where usually I'm I'm, I'm always thinking Blake's doing Blake Blake's doing things for the right reasons usually, but I, I read that paragraph and I was like, wait, what are you saying? Like, hold on. Yeah, and maybe we can even take this to the most extreme interpretation and, and you know, Blake and, and everyone's been thinking, oh, Blake is weak enough that he might have been possessed here. Maybe this is some kind of, like, subtle, mm. you know, alteration of the way he would normally express something in a way that is <laughs> expressing it in possibly the worst way. Yeah, I like that. Maybe maybe we are planting seeds for, for the uh, eventual persona of whatever's possessed him. Uh, mm. I, I also like this, this bit where he asks... Rose, if she thinks her mum and dad will miss her, and she's like, you mean my fake mum and dad from my fake memories? And he's like, yeah. She's like, well, yeah, of course they would. Why? And Blake just says, nothing. And (laughs) Rose doesn't comment, and I'd be very interested to know if she's not commenting because she's confused, in which case she's an idiot. Uh, Because Mm. I think even out of context, that's a very easy train of thought to follow, uh, given Blake's relationship with his parents. Um, Or whether she just decides that that's not something she should pursue. Uh, you know, she wants to keep him grounded and all that. Yeah, but... I, I, th- I think there's a few beats of Rose just being pretty charitable to Blake here. Not, <laughs> or maybe not even charitable, but just kind of not pressing the issue on things, you know? Yeah, just letting him have it. Just being like, yeah, okay, wh- whatever. Wait, you need everything you can get right now. <laughs> yeah, give him a few. Just take it easy on old Blakey for a while. Um, he's about to have a pretty bad time because he makes it inside of the factory and he starts setting up his protections and, you know, he he can kind of feel the presence of the demon um, around, like feeling the atmosphere of the demon. Um, and he kind of gets all his, his protections set up and the demon makes an appearance. Yeah, and I, I mean, they'd sort of mentioned it beforehand, but it's not until you really see him trying, like, he's got this torch and he's waving it around, but he can't even actually look at it, and, and you sort of realise now, oh, he, yeah. like, he can't even look at this thing, and everything to do with fighting this demon is about not knowing <laughs> what you're doing, like, it's, yeah, it must it's- be, it's so frustrating and difficult, and, and, like, I mean, obviously, like, jumping, to jump ahead a bit, he he makes it out alive and with the majority of his memories intact, yeah. which probably makes yeah. him like. I hope he jots all of that down for someone or anyone else because that's <laughs> super valuable to have someone who has fought this thing and figured out some stuff that kind of works on it and hasn't had yeah. that information completely erased. Yeah, yeah, Whew. um, yeah. I I want to talk about the moments before the demon appears because 
it's so fun, this tension, because it's like, you know, it, you can't look at where this demon is, right? Like you said. Mm. And and so the whole thing is that feeling of, oh, it's creeping up behind me the whole time, right? And, and there's a yeah, few yeah. moments where it's kind of like, he's been in there for like two or three minutes and he hasn't seen it. And you're kind of like, where is this demon? Is it going to make an appearance? Is something else more tricky going on? And it just kind of worms its way inside your head of like... What the fuck's actually happening here? You, you you can't even guess. It's awesome. Yeah, and, and because especially like in that situation, like if, if you're in this factory and you know there's some freaky erasure <laughs> demon in there, you just yep. gotta kind of have that sense that something is looking over your shoulder anyway. Oh yeah, for sure. So discerning the reality of your fear and just like the actual genuine fear that you should be feeling would be yeah. so difficult. Like, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, yeah and, like and just to- the way he can't look at it directly, I think it's just really what makes this battle kind of frustrating to, or and extra concerning to read, like, like frustrating <laughs> in, in an intentional, like good way, because you're sort of yeah. like I, he can't just like look and see what he's doing. He's trying to figure out how it's doing things based on what he can see out of his peripheral vision. Yeah, and and there's you know this comes into the description of the monster, which is. Blake looks at it, or doesn't look at it, kind of pictures it in the corner of his eye, and it's it's a very hard thing to picture, because you're only getting half of a description of, of this creature, and it never really kind of has an has a analogue in our world that you can kind of map it to, to, to help yourself picture it too easily. Yeah. I mean, so I'm someone who, who kind of skips over physical descriptions of, of people and, and things in, in books as I'm reading. Like, I don't know why, but I just mm. sort of tune out i struggle to make mental pictures of them um like to reference worm uh reading the echidna arc i i didn't understand echidna's physical description at all (laughs) and so as it started getting on i was like i think i actually need to understand what echidna looks like and so i went and looked up fan art and just used a picture uh because i i I didn't want to have to read the description again and (laughs) going back even reading this one a second time i still don't think i understood <laughs> what this demon looks like is there is there fan art of this demon because i think i need it i think to- I, I think i actually saw a piece of fan art of this demon um which is wild because you know it's kind of intentional that you don't get the full picture of it like mm. blake can't look at it and so it, it kind of has to sit but it's like described this- in some ways in your mind yeah i mean i basically the the image i've got because I, I had to force myself to slow down and really focus on it on my second read-through. It's like this snake made of, like, limbs yeah. is, is, is kind of my understanding, but the, I, I the, don't even know the, if that's the accurate. Quote, the way I picture it is like a pile of limbs, like a blob of limbs that kind of is dragging behind it this slimy snake trail of, of like, entrails, right? Um, and, and this one specific description of it that I think is really helpful is... It moved like a hand without an accompanying body of its own, using fingers to drag itself along the floor, perhaps. It's like, it's a fun little graphic of picturing, um, what's the fucking hand from, from Adam's family called? Uh, I can't remember. But yeah, I don't like, remember, yeah. Oh no, it, the th- I don't know, whatever, I, I never watched much <laughs> Adam's family, but the hand kind of crawling, dragging itself along the floor is a, is a fun uh, <laughs> graphic, and it's easy to apply that to what is basically a spider of limbs, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I, I definitely I do, I do want to try and get fan <laughs> out of this because, uh, but you're right. I think yeah. it is meant to be intentionally not 100 percent clear because Blake never gets a clear look at it by 
Well, he almost does at one point, but that's not really <laughs> yes. a good thing. And it doesn't work out too well for him. Um, one other thing I want to call out that I really like about this is, uh, that makes this specific thing worse, is the description that Blake thinks of for it is kind of explicitly confirmed to be fake as well. Like, Blake Blake has a moment where he, he thinks, there were features on parts to my right that didn't match what I'd seen on my left earlier, as the thing is kind of crawling around him. And it's like this clear moment of, oh, this description that I have of it doesn't even match up with what it looks like now, so who the fuck knows what's going on? Yeah, yeah, well, there's some bits that tie into that uh, that we'll get into soon that have to do with uh, the other people in the room uh, and mm, his sort of true. His, his inability to comprehend what he's seeing uh, because of that, but we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, Rose kind of pulls out a strategy where she calls to the demon compelling it to to say its name or Rose will show her power, demonstrate her power by naming it. Um, Rose mm. kind of pulls this plan out of nowhere and Blake is a little bit surprised by it. Yeah, he, he seems a little bit annoyed that like she hadn't told him that this was a thing that was like common or, or a, you know, a, a tactic that you can employ. Um, it's hard to feel sympathy for him on that front, really. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wait, because... Yeah. I mean, that's his that's his go-to move is, is just come up with stuff on the fly. and His improv plan, yeah. And, and honestly, for all we know, Rose may have actually run this by him and he just didn't really process it and forgot. Like, who knows? Yeah, it seems possible, doesn't it? Um, uh, it works. Yeah. I mean, it seems to work pretty well. The demon seems to react to this and, and kind of yeah. the vibe changes. And I, I, I don't know. I got this. Maybe this is like anthropomorphizing it too much, but I got the vibe of it kind of realizing, oh, I shouldn't play with my food here let's actually you know do this yeah it does seem to because i mean this is the point where it like legitimately just sort of charges him and and attacks blake and and that is a bit of a vibe change from just it it seemed to be enjoying spooking him before because like if it really wanted to kill him it it seems like it could have done it already and it tries to now. Uh, so it kind of mm. charges Blake and he, there's this moment of him kind of <laughs> being too slow to react to be startled out of the circle, which is what it seems to have tried. Um, yeah. But it charges this circle of fire and it's, it's wet flesh kind of is burned and sloughing off and, and falls on the fire and seems to put out enough of it that it can kind of grab Blake. Um, Blake gets grabbed, but Evan is able to kind of use his magical powers to help Blake escape. Um, and eventually it kind of takes enough damage that it kind of splits off into segments and a part of it kind of gets into Rose's mirror dimension and uh, Rose is kind of <laughs> get, gets endangered. Blake has to hold a mirror above himself to keep Rose inside the circle with him and basically the space that they have to play with gets incredibly restricted uh, both <laughs> in the real world and the mirror world. Yeah, and, and so obviously this is the bit as this attack's going on where Blake has trouble processing what he's seeing, and this yep. pays off later in the re. Well, so this pays off later, and, and especially in a reread, as you realise this is their companions dying. They brought at least three other people in here with them, yep. who they they don't remember now. Uh, those people are gone. Um, so people, props- goblins, who knows what they are? But yeah. yeah, well, at least one was a goblin. That's basically all we know. The others Actually, had had blood. That's that's all we know about them. I saw Their a comment in this chapter that I want to pull out because I, I thought it was really fun, uh, which was somebody theorizing that some of the empty council seats that we saw when Blake first visited Conquest were people who actually were. <laughs> 
with allies to Blake. <laughs> you know, like not all of Conquest's council was uh, an uh, enemy to Blake, and some of them actually helped out and didn't work out so good for them, which is a very fun comment. Ah, um, uh, yeah, like that. Because yeah. yeah, well, I mean, the only people he remembers are the people who didn't want to help him. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting yeah. to see if this marks a bit of a turning point in the story where suddenly. There are just more neutral or friendly-ish uh, others and, and practitioners mm. because it turns out all the ones he managed to get, or most of the ones he managed to get <laughs> on side up until now, all just got killed. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And so- I mean, you know, <laughs> June and Leonard were left behind, and Blake actually had a bunch of other, you know, tools at his disposal. Yeah, but yeah. Not anymore. Well, yeah, we we just we won't ever know, I guess. Uh, Mm. But yeah, props to Sir Fuente for uh, calling this. We brought we brought that up in the comments uh, in yep. five point one. Uh, that was a great yeah. little prediction, and I, and I also think shout out uh, to to Wildbow for figuring out how to do this in a way that makes sense. Like I think yep. my my response to that comment in five point one was that if that is a thing, we could never know about it. But Wildbow sort of found out a way to have it. So if Blake. Well, if there's leftover bits, if the demon doesn't get the ball, like when it squirts their blood on the wall, Blake can remember that and he has the ability to <laughs> infer that that was once a person. Yes. Um, yeah, it's very fun. I love this whole chapter. I don't want to talk about this too much, but there are a lot of things in this chapter that are just very fun. Yeah. Um, here's a line that I wanted to pull out. Uh, Blake says, it dawns on me, I whispered, feeling somewhat numb, that we really should have hunted this demon in daylight. <laughs> It's just a fun little beat of like, oh yeah, this thing's hurt by light. Oops. Uh, also, Blake, you know, you didn't need to fight it right now this evening. You say, interesting. Yeah. If only someone had tried to tried to tell you that before. <laughs> and I mean, that, wait, this is sort of how he opens the the discussion that he's about to have with Rose about what they should do next. And I think this is essentially yeah. his way of saying, I fucked up. What are, what are we gonna do? Um, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, this this is essentially him basically admitting we should not be here right now and 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 i think the the implication of that is i'm the one who made us be here right now i'm sorry (laughs) yeah i i guess we'll get into this in a bit so i don't want to talk about it yet but it's interesting rose seems to want to double down on like all right we're here let's fucking do this shit yeah yeah the one who's like actually no let's there's Um, a bit of a turnaround in a sec yeah um anyway so they're fighting they're fighting this demon and blake accidentally looks at it um, and it infects one of his eyes, and he has to kind of hold fire up to his eye to to burn it out before it kind of spreads throughout him. And, you know, during this time, of course, can't miss an opportunity for him and Rose to have a bit of a bicker. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this argument that they have is just ridiculous. Like, they're basically... It's, it's so nonsense, right? Like, they, they, they start bickering about the, the gender pronoun that is appropriate for this demon. <laughs> Which is just just not yeah. at all a concern uh, at this time. Uh, they have like three different little things of yes. Blake says something and Rose is like, "Oh, you mean this?" And Blake's like, "Oh, yeah, and this." And then they kind of have this back and forth on three little quibbles, and it's kind of like <laughs> they're both not, being not the time, guys. <laughs> they're both being very contrary. Uh, to borrow yeah. the the phrasing from five point five, um, yeah, I I, I I almost believe this probably is. Maybe both of their responses to to the panic that they're feeling, like they're, yeah, but they're both sort yeah. of trying to distract themselves by like hanging on to thoughts that aren't "I'm about to die." Yeah. Um. Here's something else I noticed that you you brought up the gender pronouns of the of the demon, and and Rose kind of thinks and kind of convinces Blake seemingly that 
it's a she, right? Um, we get a quote where Rose says, what we saw before she took over the factory, she didn't touch the plants, she stays to the shadows. Like, she's kind of referring to it as a she. And, and this seems to be what they do until maybe a few paragraphs later, when Blake kind of later refers to it as a he. He's giving the name and he's eating it. You know, he's obeying. It's, it's a weird little moment. It reminds me of the... Um, the author of Black Lamb's Blood, actually, where it's kind of like confusion about what the gender of this thing is. I, I don't know. It, it, it's just an interesting little beat that kind of adds a bit more flavor to this fight in my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it, it's interesting because you're right. It's something that sort of bounces back and forth throughout the uh, chapter. And I just, I guess I can't see the relevance of, of gender to a demon that erases things from history. Like, I, I don't imagine yeah. that these things mate. Uh, so <laughs> I, I guess I, I can't imagine why, why it wouldn't just be an it. Um, yeah, so, yeah. but I, what the kind of reading I have on it is, you know, it does this thing where it kind of says its name out loud and then eats the ending of its name so that they don't remember it basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think this is kind of a similar thing. It's, it's like erasing information about itself and, you know, obviously, the the gender of the demon isn't a super important thing, but ha- having all this information about it be contradictory or confusing or unknown is, is yeah, obviously... Yeah, I like that. It can only help in these situations, right? Yeah. Um. So, Blake and Rose kind of realise, we're pretty fucked. We need to figure out what we're going to do. <laughs> we didn't think this through. We shouldn't have done this tonight, etc., etc. Rose, you were right. Um... And, and try and figure out what they should do next. Uh, so Rose suggests that it might have a, a kind of heart that they can find if they dive deeper into the factory. Blake kind of has an idea of, of uh, kind of burning some wood to get a more long-lasting fire. And <laughs> I don't know, he, he didn't really think it through past that. But mm. uh, Blake kind of realizes Evan has a plan. Just get out. Just get the <laughs> heck out. Yeah. yeah. And I think like this is actually a moment, uh, you know, we just highlighted... Their, their little bickering uh, quibbles just now. But once they actually start training the plans, I think they're both pretty fair. Like, Blake is like, yeah. here's my plan. It just kind of buys us more time, maybe. And Rose is like, yeah. here's my plan. It involves just doubling down and is super risky, but might actually kill it. And they both, they're both sensible about, uh, like, weighing the pros and cons of both of their plans until Blake just sees Evans and is just like, yeah, this is better than both of ours. Like, let's just yeah, get Yeah, let's just out. do this instead. Yeah. Uh, so, it, um, I, I find it funny that as soon as they both start to to think logically and and fairly about each other's plans and conversation they just immediately go to evan uh anyway yeah. turns out neither of them was right yeah <laughs> um and we get uh, this is the last of these moments i'm going to bring up with but uh we get a little beat where blake thinks that he has forgotten something to light the torch he's kind of checking his pockets and realizes yeah. oh i don't actually have a lighter and rose is like no, that doesn't make sense. Blake says, I don't have anything. And Rose says, you lit the circle. And it's just this kind of moment of Blake genuinely stopping and thinking, Wait. huh, I guess I didn't bring anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, um, and I mean, it works on reread as well, because again, as you're sort of going through, Blake just comments that the fire lit very quickly, but there's no yeah. there's no hints as to what as to may how. have done it. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it totally adds up. Uh, it, it's great. Yeah. Um, Blake kind of gets an opportunity. Uh, he, he throws Rose out the window and he has to run about 40 or 50 feet to the door. I mean, not run because he literally is too beaten up to run. <laughs> he has to kind of hobble his way towards the door. Um, Evan kind of has been using his blo- body to block out some moonlight and stops doing that, which kind of 
does a burst of light that the demon uh, overreacts to and backs away, and Blake kind of has a chance to to run towards the door. Yeah, well, hobble, I guess, uh, hobble, would, pro- yeah. would probably be a better right. <laughs> verb. Uh, Amble towards the door. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I think he specifically mentions that he's sort of trying to run, but he reckons a normal person would outwalk him uh, yep. the speed he's going. Uh, yeah, it's just, it, it. it's really well written, like, the intensity of Blake arduously <laughs> traveling. Slowest like, walk. Yeah. yeah, this this arduous 15 meter chase scene type thing, uh, or this monumental yeah. task of walking 15 meters uh, is, is really yeah. good. <sighs> um, but he does it. Uh, he makes it out. He, he, along the way, has kind of grabbed an arm that was detached from the demon at some point during the scuffle. Yeah, which again, that's thinks, uh, th- like mm. that's very valuable. That you know he oh, got yeah. an arm. Uh, like that's something that they can use to do stuff with. Probably, yeah, maybe he can I sell that think... to Conquest. <laughs> okay, he, <laughs> Say, he, here's yeah, the arm. Did it? Here's its arm. <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> no, I, I do think it is kind of evidence that they have that they kind of gave it an honest try, and so I think it'll it'll yeah, help that's out true. Um, until the point that Conquest takes it from them. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so you know he he has made it out. Didn't take well, out could, the demon, so you, you, but you, you, know. you could probably pre- you could presumably use it to summon the demon. I don't know much about summoning and how that works, but having a piece well, of well, they might need to know more of its name. You would think. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, that's true. Um, he's anyway. out. He did it. He or well, did it in a sense. He escaped. <laughs> <laughs> he survived his own terrible plan. Yeah, well, it's funny because he he makes it out. He basically falls flat on his face once he's like safely out of the factory. <laughs> And basically thinks to himself, uh, like, oh, I failed. Mm. Now I've got to go fight Conquest. Sh- shit. Like, it's... it's yeah. <laughs> it's, like, you know, how is he going to possibly fight up, uh, fight Conquest in any way, shape or form uh, after this? <laughs> yeah, it's true. I think, yeah, the, li- the chapter even closes out with him thinking, I nearly died. How the fuck am I going to do this? Um, yeah. Yeah, Blake. Yeah, good point. <laughs> uh anyway that's that's the end of uh conviction 5.6 oh actually the end of all of conviction if you don't count the interlude that's happening next week oh interlude cool um Mm. yes uh so for our bonus bit uh this time i just want to talk a bit about the demonic choirs that we learnt about last chapter from rose uh yeah we 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 hinted about it yeah (laughs) yeah we basically said we were going to do this uh but i i think this the seven choirs map pretty well uh to the seven days of from the creation myth uh in the book of genesis and uh, yeah uh, some of our listeners are probably already familiar with this this idea but i thought we'd run through it just because some of the some of the links between the the choir name and, and what god did on that day aren't super obvious like you wouldn't pick them just by themselves they only kind of work when you when you know the order um or the, yeah they're, they're only obvious when you know the order of all this mm. stuff um so to get started, the the first one's pretty obvious. Uh, on the first day, God created light, and uh, the first choir is the choir of darkness. Uh, so that's that that's fairly straightforward. That's um, a pretty clear opposite. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, it goes beyond just the concepts of light and dark. Like light is knowledge because it's usually humans' mm. primary sense, and dark sort of in almost unanimously and stuff symbolizes like not knowing things and and the unknown. Yeah. Which obviously fits in with this uh, demon of the first choir that we're fighting right now, uh, or yeah. something. And and to extend beyond that, you know, creation is obviously it's the first day. Now things exist. <laughs> um, yeah, and so yeah. The, the 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 
dark choir kind of counteracts that by being about you know not creating things and not existing like yeah. destroying in the in the ultimate sense as this demon does yes exists exactly um yeah sorry because i actually i don't know if i said that in in my uh, preamble but uh obviously all these choirs seem to symbolize exactly undoing whatever was done on on this day by god in the creation <laughs> yeah myth. which is fun and and something that i don't think many people have picked up on just because i didn't Definitely, I definitely didn't pick up on it through my first read, and I was reading comments and stuff, so it seems like we've got a, a hot scoop here five <laughs> years after the fact, Elliot. <laughs> well, maybe. Um, anyway, so the, the second day, God made the firmament, uh, which we've had referenced in Pact before, uh, and this goes mm-hmm. up against the Choir of Chaos. Uh, so the the firmament is basically like the biblical word for, for the sky slash like heaven, um, mm. and, and really what god did here was divide the universe into two sections uh you know he's he said this part up here this is heaven and then down there that's just at the time it was just oceans uh and and so it's all about like the very basics of order in the universe is sort of how i see what he did on this day like he said this is tier one this is tier two and so presumably (laughs) the the choir of chaos is all about disrupting very fundamental uh orders in in the universe i I guess um Hmm. Like, I, I so I, I'm not exactly sure. Well, sorry, at first I wasn't exactly sure how a demon of this choir would operate, but I've actually kind of decided that this might be where Barbatorum would, would perhaps sit. Mm. Uh, because he's usually all about targeting powerful figures and bringing them down. So, you know, it's all about taking the heavens and bringing them down to earth. Uh, yep. He bo- he blocks your access to the afterlife, which obviously ties yeah. into the concepts of heaven and, <laughs> that's, and hell. That's the uh, that's the one that to me kind of clinches it the most. Is mm. oh yeah, he can block access to the afterlife. That that perfectly fits chaos as the opposite of 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 the firmament, I suppose. Yeah, and then obviously he can enter domains, which are meant to be where you're sort of your own little god, and and there's all these orders and rules around those. Um, yeah, yeah. So then uh, on the third day, God made the earth and and you know chucked vegetation on it uh and this goes up against the <laughs> choir of, of ruin uh so you know again like you know we've got plants and and stuff and they they're all about growth really and he grew the earth out of the seas in on this day uh and so obviously ruin is the opposite of growth uh so this is another one of the probably the more simplistic uh turnarounds <laughs> yeah it's a it's a pretty clean uh it's a pretty yeah. clean <laughs> flip i suppose yeah we've got a bunch of demons who are all about doing the opposite of growth so presumably like demons of the third choir are all about like undermining things like i wouldn't be surprised if surprised if like global financial crises had to do with mm. demons of the third choir or, so, or something like that mm. yeah yeah um so then on the fourth day god made the sun the moon and the stars uh and this goes up against the choir of madness and and that actually makes sense because Genesis goes into it a bit more, but when God created the sun, moon, and the stars, that's also when he made, like, the seasons, and he he made, like, day-night cycles, and it was all about adding, like, rhythm and cycles to the universe, and so, you know, madness is, is the opposite of having, like, routine and, and, and stuff is my interpretation of, of this uh, choir. Yeah, um, I, I, I see that. I don't know. This one is a bit of a... This one's a weird link to me, because I get... You know the sun and the moon and and the kind of the kind of natural cycle of things um, obviously opposes madness, which is all about things being kind of out of sync with the natural order. But you know that that is kind of the same as chaos to an extent, right? Um, I don't know. Yeah. This is the one that to me is the least solid in my head. 
Uh, no, I'd agree. This is this is one of the ones that I think is probably the the maybe the biggest stretch by itself um, for for how I'm currently picturing it. Anyway, but it, like I would see demons of the fourth choir here, uh, you know, disrupting natural cycles and and sort of you know. So for humans, that might be disrupting sleep. Um, yeah. or, or, yeah, or sure. like something as simple like that would be a very that would probably be more something like a, an imp like uh poses equivalent in the fourth choir would do uh simple stuff like that uh disrupting mm. disrupting time and, and things as well um so mm. you know making mm. making cold, places cold in the summer i don't know uh all sorts of stuff <laughs> like that yeah sure um the fifth one is is a bit simpler maybe because we've seen it in action but obviously on the fifth day god made most of the animals uh and then he'll we have the fifth choir which is the feral choir and so this is what pose was a spin-off of yeah this is a pretty clean one to me (laughs) yeah god god made all the animals he gave them all the roles that they're meant to fill in the ecosystems and uh demons like poos come in and they fuck that up basically yep uh just fucks with the natural order of things, makes animals the kings, makes humans the the not kings. I don't know. Yeah, well, I wouldn't be surprised if they also just sort of can wreck ecosystems in, in other ways. Yeah. Uh, would, would be my understanding of how, how the fifth choir could can interact. Um, yeah. So then on the sixth day, uh, that's when God made humans. He also technically made land animals here, but uh, I, wait, they fit better on the fifth day, so we'll pretend he didn't. <laughs> um, and then... Uh, that this is the choir of sin. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, this is essentially the choir that deals with very human uh, and, like, high-level sentience sins. So we've already seen a demon of the sixth choir, which was that incest demon in Black Lamb's Bard, and that's a pretty good example of a concept of something that's really a sin by human standards, but you do, like, see it in, in nature and stuff. So it's it's uh, it's like a human evil. It's It's not, like, against the natural order or anything, I guess. Yeah, uh, succubus, succubuses, possibly another example. I mean, they might yeah. be the kind of imps of of this choir, I suppose. Um, this this is the most interesting choir to me, right? Because uh, the other, all the choirs are about kind of messing the, with the natural order, right? But the other ones mm. are all kind of do that in in like inherent ways, you know, opposing creation, opposing karma, all that stuff. Whereas. Whereas this choir is all about man's evils, which is fascinating to me. And we kind of talked about this uh, at the time when we went through Black Lamb's Blood. Because obviously what what is taboo, what what would be a sin kind of changes over time, right? Like back mm. in the biblical days, homosexuality is is seen as deviancy in the Bible, right? So, you know, it's it's not hard to imagine that there would be a, a, a demon of the concept of, of homosexuality or something like that. But then, does that demon lose its power as as people kind of chill out a bit, or or what happens there? That's that's a kind of idea that's very very fascinating to me. I'd love to see a a packed spin off that follows the adventures of a of a demon of homosexuality that just kind of loses its powers, uh, kind of Terry Pratchett small god style. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. This this would seem to me to be the choir that would have the most fluidity in its uh definitions because yeah the concept of what is human sin is probably the one thing on this list that changes the most yeah uh yeah uh, yeah yeah i like i agree it's it's interesting like whether you know maybe some of these things are just inherent or whether it it, it is going off what what the current definitions are mm. yeah totally um, it's yeah i find that that kind of 
the implications of that world building very fascinating I, I guess in Black Lamb's Blood, the author mentioned that they that the general consensus was the sixth choir was the least like dangerous. I think was was sort of roughly what they implied. They said that it's often underestimated because of that reputation. I think uh, it's the seventh choir, the seventh choir that is referred to as the uh, seen as uh, the weakest of the choirs. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, well, speaking of, uh, <laughs> good segue. Uh, <laughs> uh, so on the seventh day, uh, that's the one God rested, and and we have yep. the Sabbath, uh, and then yep. the final choir is the choir of unrest. Which again, uh, yep. in English, that's a very simple uh, translation right there. So we have a choir that I, I guess disrupts, you know rest or the ability to just lie like i wouldn't be surprised if blake has one of these hiding on his shoulder because uh, <laughs> like he, he hasn't had a rest <laughs> yeah this is the demon that that is possessing blake presumably <laughs> um yeah so so this is the one that's referred to in black lamb's blood as the weakest of the choirs right like uh actually i'm gonna do a bit of a of packed wiki quoting here at you elliot this is from black lamb's blood the demons here work with intangible forces However, it's the one that gets furthest in its goals because it's subtle and hard to get a grasp on. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Makes sense. I, it's it would be a little hard to imagine what kind of things the the, the choir of unrest do, but seemingly they're the ones that that uh, you know operate in the shadows enough that they are able to get furthest in their goals. Mm. Well, I guess they're probably all about striking when when you're relaxed and, and not expecting it because that's that's mm. kind of what the sabbath was all about was you know having your day off where you don't need to worry and mm. uh disrupting that uh would would probably be something that, that the seventh choir might be all about so the uh unpaid overtime is definitely an invention of the choir of unrest is what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly they have a very strong presence in the game dev industry <laughs> yeah crunch time is is an imp of unrest that, that sits at bethesda or whatever the fuck um anyway <laughs> so that's a little bit of discussion of the uh, of the demonic choirs and and kind of theory crafting about them based off of the the days of creation that they oppose um very fun uh, yeah we kind of talked about this last chapter but i really love finding these kind of links and and seeing the seeds of this world building and and kind of extrapolating mm. it out into what is hopefully the correct areas for these things yeah like i know i'm only you know by arc count you know less than a third of the way through this story but i already feel like i'm gonna finish this story with this sense that there's so much more to the world of pact uh than we've <laughs> i don't even think it's a got to touch to say, yeah for sure <laughs> uh this this is such a this um, is such a rich and deep world already uh it's I, I don't yeah. see how how it could possibly feel like uh, Wobbos touched on everything he could do with it by the end. Maybe this is a good opportunity to to plug something that Wobbos has been doing recently, which is uh, running a packed dice campaign. So if you're familiar with the kind of um, Weaver dice campaigns that have that have added kind of additional canonical information to to the world of of Parahumans, you you might have heard that Wobbos is doing something similar for Pact. I um, mean, he kind of is is keeping a a list of uh, of the things that happen and and you know, writing out this story as it happens for the players. Um, so it's very, it's a fun way to, to dive into a bit more of the world if you're if you're keen on that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'd sort of, you've mentioned to me that this is happening, but I've avoided all talk of it. Uh, yes, because you should presumably, probably avoid it. <laughs> I, I assume packed, packed Dice at its core is, is probably full of a bunch of spoilers I don't oh, want. Yeah. But, uh, uh, 
yeah, I mean, it is, but it's also <laughs> full of like, you know, there's just one of the things I really love is there's an example of, or there's multiple examples of like different kinds of monsters that uh, Wild Bo had kind of in on the back burner, but never really got a chance to see in the story. And so you get to ah, just cool. kind of experience these other little snippets of of pact um which is fun uh, this anyway, is all stuff i <laughs> yeah this is all stuff i would love to catch up on as soon as as soon as we're done with this as story. soon as you're uh, allowed yeah yeah uh especially because like packed packed dice seems like such a good idea because you've basically got a built-in like karma is a built-in mechanic for oh, yeah. the the game master to to punish players who are being like idiots uh it's great yeah it's it seems like it would have a very fun kind of monster of the week format um yeah anyway. yeah uh so that's the end of our of uh, our discussion on 5.6 we'll be finishing off arc 5 conviction next week with uh the uh the history's interlude for arc 5 but um before then if you're interested in discussing pact with us more you can the place to do so is in our discussion threads which you'll find down in the episode description for this episode you can come and talk about your favorite uh ideas for what different demons might exist in the different choirs or all kinds mm. of fun stuff uh, yes, and if you want to see what else is happening on the Doof Network, you can do so at doofmedia.com. Uh, yes. Actually, there was just uh, they've just released an episode that I can't listen to, which is about Game of Thrones. <laughs> Very excited to dive into that one when I am finally caught up. I'm up to, I think I'm halfway through season two, so a few more seasons to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so obviously this, this uh, latest Doofcast episode covered the premiere of, of the new season, and... Uh, I think was pretty fair uh, of of the recent uh, status of the show, but uh, yeah, I guess well, while we're plugging <laughs> no that, we may as well <laughs> yeah. Uh, while while we're plugging that, we may as well mention uh, as Ruben just said, he is making his way through Game of Thrones, and you can hear uh, both of our thoughts on that uh, over at MediaMDPodcast.com. Uh, Game of Thrones is our second most recent episode, I believe. Yes, speaking of MediaMD Podcast, that's our Twitter at MediaMD Podcast, so you can. Uh, <laughs> Follow us on Twitter if you want to keep up to date with everything. Um, also, something that we don't kind of plug enough is follow us on iTunes if you'd like. Uh, review us on iTunes. That would be very helpful. We actually got a great review uh, from Sandwich um, on iTunes recently, which was very fun. I always love getting reviews and hearing that people are enjoying what we're doing. So, you know, if you, if you like the show... Give us a rating on iTunes. Yeah, and it really helps people see us and, and helps spread the word and, and, you know, hopefully that'll get more people into Pact and, and into the, the greater Wild Bow community. Yeah. Now, Elliot, if people want to support the show, but they have more money than time, so rather than support us on <laughs> iTunes, they'd like to do something else that costs money and doesn't cost as much time, what could they do instead? Um, uh, it's a terrible problem to have and you should head immediately to <laughs> patreon.com slash doofmedia. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure where... it's a very common problem out there. <laughs> uh, y- yes. Uh, um, yeah, but yeah, head over to patreon.com slash doofmedia and you can help support us and all the other great shows on the Doof Network and, uh, help keep us afloat. Yeah. Um, not just that, you know, if you need a little more incentive, there are a number of rewards that you can get access to for, uh, supporting the show get access to our Discord, uh, a number of different Patreon tiers that allow you to do all kinds of things, like uh, suggesting things for the uh, Doof Media crew to watch. We've got one for... um, They're doing one on uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, which is coming up soon, so I'm kind of brushing up on my season one of that, so I'm in the know for it. Also on Patreon, you can find Wildbo's Patreon. Um, If you're enjoying all the content that we talk about, well, it only exists because Wildbo wrote it in the first place, so support him doing the things that he continues to do. 
Uh, yeah, we'll get we'll get more great stories like these, I suppose. Uh, you can find that at patreon.com slash wildbow. Yeah, and uh, apart from that, I guess we'll see everyone on Friday the 26th of April for yep. 5.x. For 5.x. We'll see you then. Bye.